0: Praise God. Well, I'm going to do my best to pick up where we left before I headed off to Tanzania. Do you remember that? (laughs) It's been a little while back, a little while back, but um, let me just give you a super high level reminder and then dive right into some practical content here because I believe God is building something and if you're building something, you know, it's one piece at a time, you lay it on top of the other, but you do have to every now and then go back and remind uh, ourselves, of where we've been. So basically we've said this, that God has a great end time strategy. An end time strategy. And though the name of this church is uh, right at the center of this strategy, that's good to know. You know if you're going to name a church something, name it right at the center of the strategy of God. I think so. Anyways, <laughs> it's my opinion. But uh, anyways, but the ga- the basic strategy is this. God says, Zechariah 14a, in that day, and that day is a reference to the day of the Lord, the great coming of the lord the day when all things come under his experientially under his rule and his authority the nations of the earth everything comes under him in that day living waters are going to flow out of jerusalem which clearly is a picture of the church and believers because jesus picks up the same theme john chapter 7 on that last day of the feast, there's that theme again, that day and the last day of the feast, the great feast of tabernacles. He says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow a river of living water. So basically, Jesus picks up what Zechariah prophesied about in Zechariah 14, in the last days. Living waters are going to begin flowing, but Jesus makes it real specific, and he says he that believes on me, he that comes to me and believes on me, out of his belly is going to flow a river of living water. And then he clears up what living water is. Thank God for all this clarity. You know, we don't have to guess at this stuff. He says, it says, this spake he of the Spirit, which had not yet been given, because he had not yet been glorified. But we all know now that he's, been risen from the dead he's been glorified seated at the right hand of the father the spirit's been given so basically what he's talking about is there's a people the church throughout the earth who are God's answer really because what uh, because of what we carry which is the spirit of God in us and that spirit is supposed to be flowing out of your belly will flow a river of living water. Where is it going? Ezekiel 47. It leaves the sanctuary and it goes out and the further it gets away from the the source, it actually gets wider and deeper and has more influence and everywhere it goes gets healed and delivered. I mean, it's just amazing. And so God is saying, out of my church, out of my people, I've put my spirit in them and I want that spirit to begin flowing from them to a lost and dying world. Right, that's the the program of God. God's answer is Christ for the world, and it's practically speaking coming out through the church and through the lives of believers who are full of the Holy Ghost to the point that they're overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So we've asked real simple three little questions: How's it flowing in your life? How's it flowing? Where's it going? And is it growing? Those are three little things we've been asking ourselves. How is it flowing? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And if so, is it flowing through your life? Is there any manifestation of the Spirit in your life? There are, clearly. You know, the Bible's so practical, right? There's the fruits of the Spirit. There's the gifts of the Spirit. These are things that let us know that's the Spirit of God. There's also, by the way, the fruits and the manifestations of the flesh, and carnal things and so we, we can measure some of this stuff and just say how's it flowing you know that's God and it's flowing in my life where's it going and is it growing you know I, I couldn't help but feel when I was in Tanzania right after preaching and teaching on these things and God was kind of saying to me how is it flowing <laughs> where is it going and I'm starting to answer the questions well I, I think it's flowing okay and where's it going well at the moment it's going to Tanzania <laughs> yeah. so heading to Tanzania right now that's where it's going and God wants to know is it growing was it growing and i have to tell you i felt i felt liberty and increase in the lord as i was simply willing to step out and obey what he was asking me to do so much of the growth side of things happens after the obedience side of things simple obedience so this is kind of the big arching theme we're talking about how's it flowing where's it going is it growing And what we're talking about is the Spirit of God in our lives. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. So real practically speaking, thanks for giving me that time to recap, okay? Real practically speaking, I want to just drill down into some of the manifestations of the Spirit, week by week, one at a time. Just going to talk about some things, okay? These are practical things. Because each one of us is carrying certain unique giftings that God wants activated, not so we can sit here and splash one another with the gifts, though we're going to do that and get blessed by that. The purpose is for those things to flow out of here and change a world that's in desperate need. So, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a big topic. I'm going to just break it into bite-sized pieces, okay? Because there are both the gifts of the Spirit, there are, ma- there are motivational gifts, there are spiritual gifts. You know, you've got a lot of uh, unique things that God has done, and we don't want to put too many boxes around it, but we sure want to understand what they are. I find this interesting. The main text I'm going to use today is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Which deals real specifically, I would not have you ignorant concerning spirituals or spiritual gifts, okay? God doesn't want us ignorant of these things. But what's interesting is that chapter 12 is sandwiched between two other chapters. I know chapters were put in later on, but you've got to catch the theme of thought here. Because just prior to talking about spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul, who's putting things in order for the Corinthians, uh, the Corinthian church, he's talking about the communion table, right? He's giving this beautiful you know, discourse on the communion table and how that's supposed to be and why it's so important to have communion, un- unbroken communion with God and with one another. And then he talks about gifts. That's the, that's the meat in the sandwich here. And then he goes over here to the other side, which is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So what you've got, be- you know, the gifts need to be, let's say it like this, the gifts need to be sandwiched between, always held With and held by communion with God and people and love. Amen. Gifts aren't something designed to make us all puffed up and arrogant. And you see, we would totally miss the purpose of the gift. Just because you have a gift, by the way, doesn't mean it's glorifying God. You know, it's got to be sandwiched communion with Christ and one another and the love that keeps it all glued together. You know the Bible says that the gifts work by faith, but hear this: faith works by love. It all's wrapped around itself. So when we're talking about getting flowing here, we're talking about more than just getting gifts of the Spirit and the anointings moving. We're talking about representing Christ, His character, the fruits of the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit, bringing great balance and representing Christ okay I think charismatics have lost some credibility in the world because they've pursued hard after gifts and they've lost some of the character issues that need to be associated with the gifts and therefore they've lost credibility but God's restoring what he had in mind for the church which is character and anointing with giftings and grace all wrapped up together. So we know that there are different kinds of gifts but it's the same spirit. Let me just read to you 1 Corinthians beginning, 1 Corinthians 12 beginning and verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts but they are all from the same spirit. There are different ways to serve but we serve the same Lord. There are different ways that God works in people but it is the same God who works in all of us to do everything. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. I love that translation. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. The Spirit gives this to each one to help others. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom. And the same Spirit gives another person the ability to speak with knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to one person. And to another, He gives gifts of healing. The Spirit gives to one person the power to do miracles, to another the ability to prophesy, to another the ability to judge what is from the Spirit and what is not. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues, and to another the ability to interpret those languages. One Spirit, the same Spirit, does all these things. The Spirit decides what to give each one. A person has only one body— but, as ha- but it has many parts. Yes, there are many parts, but all those parts are still just one body. Christ is like that too. I love this translation because it just gets you out of that religious mindset where you're used to reading it a certain way and kind of gets you thinking a little differently here. Really what it's saying is that God has given each one of us like body parts a place to play. Don't Compete, complete one another, right? Don't compete, complete one another. Just because somebody else has got something, don't be jealous or envious of what they have. Figure out what you have and go for it. Because the truth is, when you're in your grace, you'll be happiest of all times. In your place, in your grace, right? You're going to be the most satisfied and the body's going to benefit because we're all in our spot. So, you know, he lists here in this in this chapter 1 Corinthians 12 often called these are the you know the, the nine gifts of the spirit there's three categories that they kind of break into fairly nicely and I would encourage you to jot these down um, they're the revelatory gifts the utterance or speaking gifts and the power gifts okay nine gifts here and uh, revelation gifts utterance or speaking gifts and power gifts here's kind of a neat thing when all of these gifts are operating what you have is God's Thoughts manifest in the midst of the congregation. When all of them are happening, you have God's hands, His power, the power gifts, things are happening and, and going on there. And you have the utterance or God speaking in the midst of the congregation. So the manifestation of the Spirit. You know, God, we're talking about the flow of the Holy Ghost. And if you've got a piece of that, it's on you to figure it out and start cultivating that. And then as a body... We need to start complementing and learning how to ebb and flow. And it can get a little messy at times, but you know what? Let's get over that idea and get on with the fact of being the body of Christ. If we're gracious and loving and willing to kind of work with one another the same way God has worked with each one of us, God's going to cause us to prosper in these things. So, uh, you've got these three basic categories. It's real plain that not everybody has all the gifts. It's plain to me. I think it's just plain. Now, that doesn't mean you can't function at a certain level in each of these graces. But the end of the day is, you know, some people in here are very artistic. I'm just going to use a natural example. Some people, challenged. Some people can sing quite well. Other people, just you in the shower and God is good. Okay? You know, and that's not a downer, that's not a condemning thought. That's just kind of acknowledging for some reason certain things work for you and other things don't work for you and though you can you know take singing lessons and you can get better the reality is apart from a really divine sovereign supernatural something you're probably never going to reach where the other person's ever going to be it's just the way God made us and I think we need to acknowledge that instead of feeling like we have to have everything ourselves God put us in a body And so we've said it, I'll say it again, that when the Bible says desire spiritual gifts, right, but rather that you may prophesy, Paul's saying go after these gifts. One thing I've come to conclusion is that, that sometimes the way to go after a gift is to go after a relationship with someone who has the gift. Go after a relationship. Because the I cannot say of the hand, I have no need of you. There are certain things I'm probably never going to get. I might as well stop struggling to get that gift and just have a relationship with you that's functional. Where I can have the benefit of that gift, working, and the blessing of that gift. And so, yes, we're going to go after all of these things, but at the end of the day, we also need to acknowledge I've got certain sweet spots, and I need to get closer to them and function in those sweet spots. Amen? Amen? As a body, this is what God's asking us to do. So today, here's what I want to do. That's a lot of uh, ketchup from my travels, but here we are. Ketchup and mustard. Did you eat hot dogs yesterday? It was so good. Hamburgers on the grill. Okay. We're going to talk today, the first one in this list, the word of wisdom. What a gift. The word of wisdom. Wisdom. The first one listed in 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, the Word of Wisdom. Let me say this to you the the wisdom we're talking about here is is supernatural wisdom. it's uncommon wisdom, and there is an absolute difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom that's from above God's wisdom. There's different wisdoms, okay, so there is a kind of a natural wisdom that people who aren't even saved you know they they have they're they're able to you know see things and make things happen on an earthly plane but that's not the wisdom we're talking about here we're talking about a spiritual gift given to the church and by the way I believe all of us should seek after wisdom I believe all of us should have but but certain people are going to have an extraordinary uncommon grace for this and thank God for them God send more of them around and let them get on us let that thing get on us you know And let us have the benefit of that kind of wisdom. But boy, what an important gift. And if the earth ever needed wisdom, goodness gracious, now is the time. And God has put this gift, this is a spiritual gift, in the believer's grasp. This is for the church. This is because the church has a mandate to go into all the world and bring the gospel, the good news. And God's given us power tools. He's given us giftings. And it's ours to... to to garner it and then to foster it and to see it functioning. The gift of the word of wisdom. Here's a definition. Divinely given power to appropriate knowledge and spiritual intuition in problem solving. Divinely, I'll say it again, given power to appropriate knowledge. So if you've got knowledge of something, but you don't know what to do with the knowledge, you lack wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and then apply it in such a way that things change. Problem solving. Complex situations that nobody can figure out. You know what's going to happen, and it's already happening. The world is getting more and more gridlocked in its ability to fix itself. You know what's going to happen? God, through the church, living waters flowing, life giving waters. This spake He of the Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom is going to begin operating through the church and those who are ready and willing to receive it. Words in a second that will fix things and straighten out things and bring restoration and peace to people. When it's flowing, When this gift is flowing, God's enemies are silenced. The kingdom is advanced, and people are blessed when God's wisdom is flowing. So, for me, when I think of wisdom and the function of it, and I look at examples of it in the scripture, I have to go actually into the Old Testament. And maybe you're going to say right out the gate, well, Pastor, how are you going into the Old Testament? Because at that point, the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Is this the same thing? Here's how I like to look at it. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints got to test drive the car, but they didn't get to own it. In the New Testament, we get to own the car. Yeah. It's real simple. In the Old Testament, God allowed people to get and drive just for a few moments and say oh this is good I so wish I could own this but somebody has to buy it you see Jesus had to pay for the outpouring on us again before he was glorified before he had atoned for our sins and his blood had been sprinkled on the mercy seat the Holy Spirit couldn't be poured out but up to that point prophets and saints of old test drove things so when you look in the old testament and you see people moving in the supernatural what you got is people by permission test driving what god had ordained and and is now ours by purchased right we have we own this in christ it's ours okay so under that idea I, i don't want you to confuse the fact that the car is the same car It's the same car. And Solomon, I love Solomon in this sense because, you know, when he was ordained as king, he was just a youth. His dad had set the stage for him, given tons of money and stored up stuff ready to build the temple. David had it in his heart but wasn't allowed to do it. And here comes Solomon, just a youth. And Solomon's offering all these sacrifices up on the high places and stuff. And he has a dream. And in this dream, God begins speaking to him. And God says, Solomon... What do you want from me? What do you want? And Solomon chooses to not ask for riches or fame, but he asks for wisdom. Let me just read this to you. This is 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 11. <clears throat> God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, neither have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment behold I have done according to your words lo I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like you before you neither after you shall any arise like unto to you so here's Solomon and if you read the previous verses here you know he's he's confessing he says you know God I'm 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 small and inexperienced you want some wisdom Here's how you start. I'm small and inexperienced. That's how you start. You don't start with, you know, I'm pretty smart, God. I just need a little help. (laughs) Don't even go there. If you want God's wisdom, you've got to be willing to deny your own wisdom. The pride of our own lives that thinks we know so much. God said, I'm looking for a people who will acknowledge their need. And so Solomon comes at it this way. He says, you know, God, I'm nothing. And the work is huge. And there's a ton of people out there waiting on me. And he says, you know, so I think the best thing for me to ask is wisdom. And God says, oh, I'm going to give you wisdom. And by the way, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you riches too. <laughs> because you went after the right Thing, I'm going to give you the other thing. It kind of reminds me of Jesus' words. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the other things will be added to you. You know, the wisdom of the world is going after the other things. But the wisdom of the kingdom is going after kingdom things. And what makes that so wise is that God's willing to bless that in the end anyways. So you end up with both. Whereas the wisdom of the world ends up, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Are you listening to me today? So here's how we, how we approach. This is how Solomon approached. And isn't it interesting, right after he has this encounter with God and God grants him wisdom, he has his first big test. Two harlots who've both had children and they're living together and in the night they're sleeping and one of them suffocates her child, accidentally kills her child, suffocates him, and she wakes up and realizes what's happened and somehow she's able to swap children. So when they both wake up, the one whose child had died was with the other lady and she goes, oh my gosh, my child's died. Then she starts scratching her head and going, wait, this isn't my child. And they start having this contest. Well, that contest gets brought to Solomon right after he gets this download. And let me just say this to you. We're going to ask for wisdom today when this meeting is over. And right afterwards, God's going to say, okay, now let's try that thing out. Let's try that out. Come with me. Let me just throw you out here into life. Amen. Let me just throw you out here into life. And let's see how this thing works. It's like no longer test driving. We're driving. Let me tell you, this car's got all kinds of Neat stuff. (laughs) I would encourage you to read the manual. Just to make sure you don't push the eject button. Something like that. So anyways, hopefully you've read the story before. It's a powerful story. So they come and they're complaining and they're accusing each other of, you know, wrong. And Solomon, the wisdom of God comes on him. And he's the spirit of wisdom. And he says, bring me a sword. And bring me the child that's living. And he says to somebody, now cut the child in half and give each piece to each mother. That way they'll both have a piece of the living. And the real mother says, no, 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 no. Let her have the child. And then Solomon goes, give the child to her. That's the mother. Wow, that's sizzling hot. (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. Don't you love that stuff? I mean... When I I read Jesus's just wisdom, I I just go, oh, that's so cool. God, I want to operate that way. Boom. Boom. Just, how does it come? Not by study. This is not something that you work up. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit given to those who've acknowledged they don't have it on their own. They need grace for this stuff, but they're available and God's willing to pour this on people. And I believe everybody can have some of this in Christ. I believe that. Some in an extraordinary way. Okay? So, what an amazing word of wisdom. And after that, everybody marveled. You know, God's going to have a world marveling at the wisdom flowing Through the church. No longer will the church be the butt of jokes, but the remedy to a world that has no answers. The problems by the gift of wisdom. Jesus really is wisdom personified, and you don't have to go far at all to see the manifestations of wisdom in his life. Isn't it nice to know that we can come here today and and do more than just sing a few songs? We can actually get something today from God. We can actually go out of this place today and actually have a benefit and a a power working in us that's going to make life better not only for us but for other people. It's just going to cause an increase to come in our lives. Wisdom by the Holy Ghost. Look at these examples of Jesus. Let me just hit them quickly for you. John 8. You know this one. The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. Wow, I love this one. So... You know, they throw this woman down. They say, the law, Moses said that this woman should be stoned to death. She was caught in the very act. Now, they never talk about what happened to the man who was in the act of adultery. But here we got the woman, another message. Thrown down, and Jesus is doodling in the sand. I believe he was just waiting on the word of the Lord. Amen. Just waiting. Just waiting. So when they continued asking him and pressing him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Remember, wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. So he had knowledge that these guys all had sin issues. But just to have that knowledge doesn't really get you too far. But if you have wisdom, you know how to apply the knowledge. And so here he's got the knowledge. And Jesus kind of steps up in the wisdom of God. And he said, he that among you has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he goes back down to doodling. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they're convicted of their sin. And they flee. And Jesus says to the woman, Woman, where are your accusers? And she says, I don't know. They're gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Talk about problem fixed. Her sin issue in that area of her life, I'm convinced, you might not agree, but I'm convinced that woman never went out and had another affair again. I'm convinced of it. Jesus imparted something to her in that moment that was a grace from above. And those guys who were religious and accusing, they were dealt with, they were checked. Wisdom applies knowledge and fixes problems. And in this case, problem fixed. Clearly the fruit of the wisdom of God. Other one, just a quick example here, but it's a powerful one. I want you just to, to get the taste of wisdom in your mouth for a moment. You've got to know what it tastes like. You know, even if it's on somebody else's lips, you can at least begin to recognize it because it's important for us to recognize the difference between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. Love this account of Jesus and the attempt to trick him by should we pay taxes or not pay taxes. Luke, I'm using Luke 20, 22... Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? They tempted Jesus. But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription has it? And they answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people. And they marveled at his answer and held their peace. Wisdom. (laughs) Wisdom. Wow. He had knowledge, and then he said, what am I going to do with this knowledge? I'm going to use it just like this. There's such a powerful message here because really what he was saying is, whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Well, if it's his image, give it to him. And give to God what is God's. Whose image is on you? You belong to God. So really, it's not about giving money to Caesar. It's about giving to God what is God's, and that's you. Again, wisdom strikes right to the heart of the matter. With the harlots, Solomon exposed the heart of the matter. I find that wisdom, when it's flowing properly from God, it gets past all the surfacy so-called reasons the, for the problem. So many problems are not the problem are you with me so many people are acting like here we need to fix this problem but the reality is the real problem is a heart issue down below that and wisdom has a way of pushing it to the surface you know in the case of Solomon the truth is Solomon didn't know which mother was the real mother he didn't know but what he had was a tool called wisdom and wisdom pushed the truth to the surface there are times where you just have to look at a situation and say you know what i don't know i don't know what the answer is i don't know what they're thinking but wisdom will help me apply this thing in such a way that the truth will come up and now everybody can know what's really going on i remember a situation where somebody had come to me somebody i had been working with for a long time uh, on some challenges they were having in their own life and they were just making poor choices and it kept landing them in the ditch over and over again. Well, at this particular juncture, it was about to land this person and his family, wife and children, out on the street. So this person called me again and said, um, Pastor, this is a situation. I need help. Can you help me? And uh, <clears throat> I just felt the Lord say, you know, no. <laughs> he say, like, Pastor. Trust me, this is after a lot of efforts here, you know. And uh, no, I don't think... Yeah, I mean I basically I can help you, but not the way you want me to. And the person said, just they said, Pastor, just wait a minute. You mean to tell me that you would put me and my family out on the street? And here's I tell you the wisdom of God just dropped into my spirit. And I said, No, no, no. The question is isn't whether I will put you and your family on the street. The question is, will you put you and your family on the street? Not me. Your family's in jeopardy of being on the street because of your decision, not mine. The question's not about me, it's about you. And I tell you what, the Holy Ghost just came on that moment. The truth of God was in that moment. And it landed where it needed to land. And it was just, I believe, a word of wisdom from the Lord in that moment. But I was feeling awful backed into the corner when that word comes out. Pastor... You know, dripping off of that word is, you're just supposed to love me anyway. Just love me. Well, I do love you. I love you enough to help you get the truth about your life. Love isn't just feeding your dysfunction. Somebody talk to me and make me feel like I'm still loved. Come on. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) <laughs> there are example after example after example in the scripture I just this morning was listening to the scripture where Paul is in Acts 23 brought before the high priest and uh, they're accusing him and he's got himself in a quite a fix he's really under a lot of scrutiny and uh, trying to figure out what to do next and all of a sudden he realizes that the group is made up of Sadducees and Pharisees now he has knowledge and suddenly he says huh I got two different sects religious sects here they're both very zealous and he says I'm going to appeal to the Pharisees because they believe I'm sorry uh, yeah the Pharisees because they believe in the resurrection of the dead and that was really all Paul was preaching was the resurrection of the dead and so wisdom came and he recognized information, but now he applied it by appealing to them, and he got favor because he got a bunch of people on his side, and God gave him the wisdom. Acts chapter 6, let me just read you just a couple examples more, and then we're going we're gonna to pray together today, because I'm convinced that the Spirit of God, this isn't just a nice little sermon for you to take notes on, the Spirit of God wants to impart a fresh measure of wisdom to each of us. Acts 6. Acts 6 and verse 8. God gave Stephen the power to work great miracles and wonders among the people. But some Jews from Cyrene and Alexandria uh, were members of a group who called themselves free men. They started arguing with Stephen. Some others from Cilicia and Asia also argued with him. But they were no match for Stephen, who spoke with great wisdom that the Spirit gave him. Here we've got Stephen being backed into the corner, again, accused, maligned, and so on, trying the devil doesn't like the anointing, and Stephen was moving in the anointing, right? I'm telling you, we're going to talk about the importance of the gift of wisdom. Because we can get all kinds of things flowing. You know, we can ask the question, "How's it flow? Oh, it's flowing great. But we need to flow with some wisdom too, right? We need wisdom for the world in which we're living right now. And so here's Stephen. He's doing miracles. He's got all kinds of neat stuff going on. And all of a sudden, here comes the devil to shut it down. But Stephen has wisdom. And they can't stand against the wisdom. Now, ultimately, Stephen finishes his course because it's his time and he goes before the Lord and gets a standing ovation and he becomes the first martyr. But take courage. You know, if you're going to go out, go out with wisdom. Don't go out lacking wisdom. Don't go out for something stupid. Don't let the spirit of stupid get on you. (laughs) Amen, as they say. Let the spirit of wisdom be on your life. Eric no, don't be jumping out of airplanes. That's the spirit of stupid. <laughs> That's a joke. He knows it. Interesting combination, persecution, and the presence of wisdom. Luke chapter 21, verse 11. Jesus is speaking about the end of the age. Remember, we're talking about living waters flowing at the end of the age to all the earth. There will be great earthquakes, Jesus says, and in various places famines and pestilence, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to Answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or to contradict you know this is where Stephen this is exactly where Stephen was at in the hour that he's being cornered and backed into the situation you know he says just settle it right now this isn't something you're going to you're going to develop an exercise and just I'm going to give you what you need when you need it it's a grace gift that's going to come if you're available to it and ready for it in the hour you need it I will give you a mouth and wisdom and none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict it. The fruit of wisdom. Let me just get the plane closer to the runway here. The fruit of wisdom. You know, how do you know if what you're operating is is in fact God's wisdom? Or is it some other wisdom? The wisdom of the world. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13 James says this, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with, I love this, meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom. One of of the sure-tell signs of real wisdom is that it's not attached to arrogance. It's not a know-it-all kind of a wisdom. It's not this, you know, showing off thing. God's wisdom in its purest sense is coupled with meekness. Right? So let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and don't lie against the truth, this kind of wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. See the contrast? So, Wisdom, so-called wisdom, that's generating strife, jealousy, competition, which is all this knowledge that puffs up. You know, we've we got a lot, of, a lot of expounders today on deep, revelatory things. You know, oh, I've got the wisdom of this and the wisdom of that. But if it's generating strife and jealousy and contention, James says that's not God's wisdom at all. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's a strong word. You can know it by the fruit it generates. God's wisdom brings peace. Matter of fact, James goes on to talk about it. Let's look at it because we want to discern these things properly to make sure we understand what spirit we're moving in. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I hope you catch this today. God is equipping us to be an end time army that are flowing going and growing. I hope you come each Sunday with pen in hand and notepad and a Bible in your hand because this is your hour. God is giving you and me tools to succeed while there's yet breath in our bodies and the nations are longing and desperate. And only God knows how this practical simple stuff's going to flow out in your life. But I'm here to say, God has divine appointments set up for you that people who are in problems who need problems fixed, you're carrying the wisdom of God in your spirit. And it looks like this. This is the character traits, the smell of wisdom, how it feels. So get it out in your spirit. It also is helpful when you realize somebody's trying to give you advice, so-called wise counsel. If it doesn't have this fruit attached to it, be careful. If it's generating strife and competition and whatever, be careful. That's not godly wisdom. There's a difference. First Corinthians I'm circling for the last time the runway. <laughs> I have clearance from the air traffic control tower. <laughs> the high tower. It is the high tower, sister. Yes, it is. This is important stuff, so just take it in. 1 Corinthians 1.17. Apostle Paul is speaking. And he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now what he's referencing there is not just with like impressive, you know, flashy stuff. He's saying, you know, God didn't send me to, to preach and teach like that because if I do, then the cross of Christ would be made of none effect. People would begin leaning on natural ability and not on the Spirit of God. And he's saying so here, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, that's talking about this world's wisdom, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? for after, th- after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom talking about earthly natural wisdom but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, hear this, and the wisdom of God. You want to know what the wisdom of God is? The preaching of the cross from God's perspective is real wisdom. The wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Where you see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh that's good to know because you don't have to be you know a genius to get this gift isn't it awesome I mean, you, you, you don't have to be intellectual you don't have to have ump degrees you don't have to have this really brilliant high IQ that's good news not many wise by this world's measures are even, are even in this loop he's saying now it doesn't mean you can't be wise in the world and still get this, but don't let the, don't be disqualified because you feel like, ah, oh, gosh, I just have a high school education or I got my GED. Praise God! Talk to Peter the fisherman. I mean, these things can begin flowing in available vessels. They're supernatural. So, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now I love this scripture right here 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made unto us wisdom? You know, real wisdom is a person. It's Jesus, and if you're in Jesus and you have relationship with Jesus, you've got wisdom in you by the Spirit, because He's there. So He has been made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That according as it is written, He that glories let him glory in the lord i'm not glorying in how smart i am i hope you're not you know every time i think i'm so smart i go gosh that was the stupidest thing you ever said you know do you have those moments where you think you know gosh i'm a pretty sharp guy and god goes oh gosh we got to go through this whole lesson again and then he just lets you do something really dumb i mean like really dumb and you go that was the stupidest thing how did And you're going around trying to fix yourself, you know, and God says, why don't you just have truth about yourself (laughs) and relax and enjoy my grace and give the credit where the credit belongs. So, here's where the plane lands. Gears are down, making our approach, okay? We can ask for wisdom. Ask for it. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom... So... Let me go back to Solomon's example. He starts off by saying, God, I can't handle all of this. Really, I think James is setting setting us up here when he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he's really saying, if you you don't lack wisdom, you lack wisdom. (laughs) If any of you lacks wisdom, that's us. Amen. Let him ask of God. Who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it shall be given to him. I should I should state this. Time has kind of trimmed my wings a little bit here today, but if you read the previous verses, he's talking about afflictions and trials that come to try us and breed endurance in us. And then he goes into, if any of you lacks wisdom, as if to say, do you got some problems? Are you facing challenges? Do you have situations and circumstances around you that you just don't know how to fix? If that's you, because that's how the chapter starts off here, he says, then do you lack wisdom? Are you willing to admit it? You don't have the answer? It's like God's waiting for a people who will admit, I don't have the answer. He says, okay, here's the, pran- here's the plan. Ask. But ask in faith. Because God, don't doubt. Verse 6. Let him ask in faith, doubting nothing. For he that doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For not, let not that man suppose that he shall receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, man, unstable in all of his ways. But here's the, here's the invitation. You got problems? I got answers. That's what God says. You got problems? I got answers. Here's how you're going to get it. By acknowledging you don't have the answer and that you're humbling yourself before me. God gives grace to the humble, resists the proud. But he's inviting us to ask the wisest thing we'll ever do is acknowledge we're not wise and submit ourselves to God and invite his grace to come into our lives not by our own works not by our own ingenuity but by the sovereign grace gift of God the person of Christ who's been made unto us wisdom I believe God wants to pour a spirit of wisdom over this local church. Amen. Do you want that? Jump up on your feet. We're going to pray together. Okay.
1: Listening to, to the message, the Lord quickened to me a book that I read about children living in communist countries and they would be harassed many times for their Christian beliefs and made fun of. And uh, this particular story was a little nine-year-old girl and it was in her class and her teacher wanted her to shame her publicly. So she called her up to the blackboard and she gave her a piece of chalk and she said, okay, uh, you believe in this Jesus, well, why don't you draw a picture for us? Can you draw a picture of this Jesus you believe in? And the little girl was quiet for a minute, and then she opened her mouth and she said, I can't draw a picture with this chalk because I would need some golden chalk to draw a picture of Jesus. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. Mm. And the, the teacher was just stunned. She didn't know what to say. Mm. And so what God, what this teacher had, you know, meant to humiliate the child with, was just so totally turned. Glorified God and glorified Him. I need a piece of gold. Amen. Chalk. Mm. So this is for children too. Mm. It's not just for adults. Mm. The Holy Ghost is not a respecter of age. Mm. Little ones can operate in this mm. gift. Okay, mm. and God wants to for our children to be filled. Mm with the Holy Ghost too Hmm. they don't need to understand it with their head Hmm. they can flow and operate it in the power of God thank you Lord let's believe God for an outpouring for Hmm. the Holy Ghost in our children and our teenagers Hmm. and our college students that are faced in college Hmm. with tremendous challenges by teachers who won't pass them because they're Christians or they don't believe the way they do amen we need this hallelujah
0: Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, the the simple qualifications of the scripture we just read. If any of us lacks wisdom, that's all of us here. Let us ask of God. Let us ask in faith, not wavering. Let us settle it in our heart that God is good and He wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to have it. And so today, we need to just get our hearts right now just straightened up before the Lord, and we're going to ask together, okay? Amen. Father, I want to thank you right now as uh, you're staring into this congregation. Each person in this room, Lord, it's so plain that every one of us will face problems. Many of us right now are facing difficult decisions, not sure what to do next, maybe, in our lives. But I just want to give you glory and honor, and I want to thank you today that you, Jesus, have been made wisdom to us. I thank you that you are the great problem solver, that all wisdom and power and glory belongs to you. I want to thank you today for your great love for this congregation and each person here and those watching. And Lord, I thank you today that your purpose and your plan is that life-giving water would flow to the uttermost parts of the earth, the spirit of grace and truth. And now we're asking today for the spirit of wisdom. Father, right now as you stare into this congregation, Lord, you said if we would ask. So we come asking today. Father God, would you say that with me? Father God. I admit I lack wisdom and I need it. So I boldly come and I ask you for it. I believe that I receive this grace today. The gift of wisdom. May it increase in my life. May it fix the problems of my life. And those around me. I commit. To treasure it. Not to despise it. Or confuse it. With the wisdom of this world. I thank you for it. And I receive it fully now. By faith. In Jesus' name, Amen Amen. and Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. So be it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Father, I just pray this morning that as we flow out of this place, (laughs) that the spirit of grace and wisdom would just be all over us lord that we wouldn't be afraid just like solomon who received it and then immediately was faced with a situation that he needed to to remedy i just thank you lord that we can step with great confidence that what we've received today is enough for whatever we'll face tomorrow i thank you we don't have to be anxious about what things will say or what we're going to do it's all given by grace In the moment that we need it, we receive that. And the joy of that, we thank you for the gift of it in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen and amen. Praise Praise God. All right. Bless you.